This is a Suno India production and you're listening to Beyond Charminar. Hello everyone. Thank you all for tuning in to a new episode of Beyond Charminar. This is a Suno India production. We are recording this episode at a time when Hyderabad just witnessed some of the worst floods that we've seen over the last few decades to say the least and this time we are particularly going to take you through the city's destruction and also the history of what happened earlier when there were similar floods in the past also in the last episode we had uh, talked about the usmania general hospital and how uh, oh by the way the hospital is still currently closed it was shut down on july 22nd after rainwater had entered its main building which is the heritage structure that was built about 100 years ago during the last episode also we had invited dr ikbal javid who was an alumnus of usmania hospital wherein we also did touch upon the 1908 musi river floods so today also we are going to talk about that we are actually going to discuss the 1908 musi river floods which in fact is the worst floods that hyderabad witnessed in its hist- in its recorded history for the for as we know it uh, and for that we i have once again invited my former boss and colleague from the hindu mr sirish nanishetty some some of you may also know that he wrote a book on golconda last year and uh, he's been covering heritage for the hindu for quite a long time and i've called him particularly to actually discuss about how hyderabad was affected in 1908 as against what's happening today because there is a very big relation in the sense that just to give you an idea of what happened now essentially the rainfall was so heavy it was not exactly something that the city could not handle because ideally speaking hyderabad should have been able to contain the situation see the usman sagar and himayat sagar lakes as we know it were both built after the 1908 musi river floods to essentially stop excess rainwater coming into the musi river to avoid the city getting flooded uh, this time the rain was so bad that they actually had to open up all 13 gates of the himayat sagar which is one of the reasons why low lying areas and uh, houses built on the river bed of the musi river were also uh, flooded and destroyed so yeah sirish please take us through the uh, 1900 floods please so musi is actually a conflation of names between musa and ec tributaries So uh in 1908 there was a big flood and the two dams were built as a flood prevention method but around the same time uh when Dr M Vishweshwarya came Mokshagundam Vishweshwarya came to Hyderabad to tell his to suggest measures to make the city flood proof he traveled through the city and he when he traveled through the city he noticed uh the houses that were unclean and he suggested that uh, if some foreigner comes and visits the area they may think that mosquito breeding is a hobby among the citizens of hyderabad so mr vishweshwarya suggested a large number of steps to make the city flood proof and with those steps was born the city improvement board thing in 1912 and from 1912 the uh, nizam government invested large amounts of money to make the city flood proof among the measures of making the city flood proof were cleaning up the river banks of slums the low lying areas were cleaned up and 
Unfortunately, among the measures suggested by Vishwesharaya were the 19th century engineering steps, 19th and 20th century engineering steps, which involved filling up lakes which are low-lying and all that. So, in the Nampal area, there used to be a lake called Abzal Sagar Lake. Now, it doesn't exist because there was a slum around it. So, the lake was filled up and a colony was built. And that area is now called Malakpet, Nampali and all that area. So, similarly, in other parts of the city also, uh, to make the city flood-proof, people were rehabilitated. Slums were demolished and pakka houses were built away from the river bank and they were were built in a proper way so that people would not be affected when there is a flood. And the flood prevention methods were so successful that Hyderabad has not witnessed a flood even more. Even the flood that we witnessed a few days back is not because of the Musi or the Himayasagar gates being released. No. This flood is basically because of violations of the topography of Deccan, of Hyderabad. If anybody of you who has travelled in Hyderabad knows the ups and valleys of the roads that are there. These roads hug the valley. And anybody who understands how what happens when a rain falls on a hill is it runs down the slope and people may not even understand that the Musi which begins near Osman Sagar and Himaj Sagar is at a very high level and it loses around 40 meters below sea level by the time it reaches Nagor, which is a huge gradient which adds immense velocity to the water. That velocity of water running through the Musi is its destructive force and Musi has flooded earlier also. Uh, there are uh, instances of when it was flooded in 1770 and other times. So, at wa- uh, one of the foreigner tra- foreign travelers recorded in 1770 that the flood carried away horses with their riders. And this is downstream. And uh, many people will be surprised to know that Musi was even used as a weapon of war. In uh, 1948, when the Indian, government, Indian army was entering Hyderabad, the gates of Himaj Sagar were opened to release water to wash away the soldiers, Indian soldiers coming, crossing the river Musi downstream. Unfortunately, by the time the water was released, the soldiers had already crossed, so Hyderabad didn't stand a chance. And the gates were asked shut by Mr. Laikali, who was the Prime Minister at that point of time. So, we have to understand two things, three things. Musi has a catchment area of 700 square miles or something like that. Hyderabad is a city which is built on a flood plain. That is, the Charminar area is a flood plain. The areas north of that, Banjara Hills, Jubilee Hills, these are high hilly areas and there are hills and valleys. So, water runs down these hills and valleys. So, the old city of Hyderabad around Charminar was not flooded at all. The lakes around which people populated, encroached, built houses. They were the ones flooded. They are still flooded. There is, there is an area called Usman Nagar near Malapur, Venkatraipur that has been flooded and it's been in water for the last 40 days. The water is not receding at all because if you understand the topography of a rocky surface, the rock doesn't let the water flow down. It does, there is no seepage of water. The water has to run out. So, unlike the flood in Bombay when the water would go into the sea, there is no drainage of water if you create a flood bank, if you create an embankment for the flow of water. 
So that is the reason why Nadim Colony is flooded. Nadim Colony is flooded because there is a road that has been built and which has effectively partitioned the lake into two parts. One part there is water, one part there is no water where the people have built the houses. Assuming the water will not come, they built the houses in the lake bed itself. So the, when the water has come, the water doesn't know whether it's a lake or not a lake. It will fill the area which is low lying. So the area is flooded and it is still underwater. People are living with water and it is very unhygienic, very unhealthy. Right now the whole city of Hyderabad stinks to high heavens because the garbage cannot be cleaned quickly. It cannot be cleaned. It is slush which cannot be carted away easily. And Hyderabad doesn't have a soily surface where the water will seep down into this thing. No, it won't. And when people started building houses in the Vikarabad area and all that, they built farmhouses, they thought they'll be safe. They are safe. And because of that, a lot of comfort factor has come in in Hyderabad. There are housing colonies on, uh, besides Osman Sagar Lake, there are housing colonies near Himayat Sagar Lake. They're virtually built on the river. And these are villas, they're upscale colonies. The people who are building this assume that the river will not do any damage to concrete. But yesterday when I went to see Himayat Sagar, the causeway is intact, but the road on either side has been ripped apart. It's like a war zone. The whole road has been torn away. The concrete water channel which was used to bring water down from the hill has been washed away. Only the causeway remains along with the pipes. Everything else around is washed away. The huge rocks which have been washed away and uh, the protecting embankment has been washed away. This is just Himayat Saga. But within the city, the lakes have flooded. It is the, it, you, you may call it the revenge of the lakes. The lakes have flooded and they have flooded the area where the houses have been built. So actually, the, if the government wants to do something, it should remove the houses and resettle the people somewhere else. People have paid their money and they've built houses on lake beds knowingly, often and most sometimes maybe unknowingly. But let's give you the history and background of what Sirish has explained. So like he said, the Musi River is something that has existed from hundreds of years. It is basically consisting of two streams, Musa and Isi. Both of those converge at Bapu Ghat uh, near Golconda Fort, where they become one and they start flowing into Hyderabad. I think in total, the, the Musi River is about 155 kilometers in and around. Like inclu- In Hyderabad, it runs across 50-something kilometers and outside Vikarabad and more, 155. So, Musi River basically connects to Krishna. Now, coming to what Sirish was explaining, see, essentially... The history is like this. See, Hyderabad has always had hundreds of lakes. See, at one point of time, when we did not have technology, a lot of people relied on local water bodies for their water needs. And those lakes were particularly used for those purposes. It could have been recreational plus drinking or whatever. Like Miralam Tank was a drinking water channel, for example. Uh, so, yeah, see, it was founded by Muhammad Kuli Kutub Shah and one of the reasons, I mean, it is not uncommon for a city to also to be founded on the river banks. So, Hyderabad was founded on the southern banks of the Musi River by Muhammad Kuli Kutub Shah, the fifth or fourth Golconda king, depending on whether you count Subhan Kuli or not. This is just for people who know about Golconda. But more importantly, see, the first half of our history is of the Golconda history and the Musi River floods of 1908 more has to do with the second half of our history, which is basically uh, the Asaf Jahi or the Nizam era. But essentially, under the sixth Nizam, 
Mahbub Ali Pasha in 1908, there was a the worst recorded flood in 1908, uh, September 28 and 29. So just to give you all an, an idea of how bad rainfall or how heavy rainfall is, essentially the rainfall is measured typically with something called the rain gauge wherein uh, when it rains heavily there is like a see the, the, the weather department essentially measures rainfall by measuring how much rainfall collects in a particular time when when they say 10 centimeters 20 centimeters etc it means that is the level of rainfall that has collected inside the rain gauge so 10 centimeters is a normal rainfall that we get so in 1908 basically on september 28 the recorded rainfall at shamshabad was 12 something 12 point something inches after the 1908 flood when vishweshwaraya came he made uh, a calculation about the water flow in the city so he calculated that over the 48 hours between september 28 and 29 the city the musi river received 98.5 cm of rainfall in its catchment area so there are 788 tanks and lakes in the river basin out of which 221 breached due to the rain and at 11 am on september 28 an estimated 425000 cubic of water raced through the city killing 15000 people and destroying 19000 homes so a uh, few days back when uh, this flood happened we had a scene where people used their boats to rescue people and uh, some people uh, deployed their horses to give relief so during 1900 flood uh, one of the closest soldiers of mehbubali pasha was stuck on the terrace of his house uh, his name was tipu khan and he was he was a corpulent man so an elephant was brought in to bring him down from his house and uh, to be taken to a safer place so these kind of and one tamarind tree saved 150 people but these anecdotes are very limited and the information is limited but the nizam government learned a lot from the flood experience it remodeled the city it invested in the city and that is the reason why hyderabad became flood proof for the next 100 nearly 100 years we are experiencing a flood in the city after nearly 112 years there was a big flood in 2000 that was because the water rushed to the hussein sagar lake and the water channels uh, before and after the hussein sagar lake destroyed the banks and a uh, lot of people lost their properties and life but the flood in uh, musi is after nearly 112 years we have become uh, our policy makers have willfully become ignorant of respecting the land respecting the topography you can't build on a lake you can't build on a river bank right now the musi river development authority is there they are planning to build roads on river like the way they have done in sabarmati river sabarmati is a river in ahmedabad which is a different coast hyderabad is a very different ball game the river musi looks like a sewer through the year but if there is rainfall it can raise and destroy both the river banks and this can be seen even now when a short stretch of road which has been laid between uh, langarhaus and atapur has been torn down by the river in a small way essentially just to uh, take off where i had stopped and to give some more context about what sirish said about you know remodeling hyderabad 
see after the 1900 floods like shri explained vishveshwaraya vishveshwaraya for those of you who don't know was a legendary engineer about 100 years ago under british india he has written an autobiography so for those of you who want to read about him his life you can actually find his ebook online so coming back to what sirish and i had been talking about as mahbub ali pasha the sikh nizam basically died after in 1911 and one of his sons usman ali khan became the last nizam uh usman ali khan unfortunately when he became the king also very soon had to deal with a small epidemic of the plague around the same time between 1911 1912 cases of the plague had also come in and the city was still being kind of remapped see just to tell you what the floods did was that at that point of time there was one uh, a hospital at afzalganj called the afzalganj hospital which got washed away for those of you who actually want to understand how high the level of water had reached there is a mosque on the road that goes towards purana pul i'm not i don't remember the name right now but about 15 feet is the height of that uh, there is a full hyderabad flood level high flood level so there are a lot of markers of hfl and you will see that it can be anything between 10 to even 15 feet in different parts so that is how bad the water had reached so that's that is right now unimaginable and that is because after the 1908 floods under usman ali khan later in 1911 he so after vishveshwaraya essentially gave a plan asking the government to block water outside hyderabad by building two dams or two lakes and those lakes are usman sagar and himayat sagar so essentially after usman ali khan became the last nizam he first brought this plan into into motion and usman sagar was either completed or the construction began in 1920 and himayat sagar 1927 so the, these are just two things but the quote unquote the remodeling did not stop there they built a hospital that is the usmania general hospital and the also the unani hospital they built a new university usmania university there was the kachiguda railway station also that came up then you also had modern uh, markets like mozamjahi and patargatti markets and also they built housing mainly for poor people also and under the city improvement board which was set up in 1912 the government built different different classes of houses ranging from i have the documents between a b c d d was for essentially poor people who could not actually pay a lot of rent so that was a very very nominal amount that they could pay it is good and they also built public toilets and i think about 50 to 54 lakh was spent in total of which a huge chunk was also spent on drainage like how sri explained vishveshwaraya when he came to hyderabad said anybody who any any foreigner would mistakenly assume that people are breeding mosquitoes as a hobby so it's something like that it was bad and in a matter of what 30 years hyderabad was literally transformed but of course again this is not to say that the rural areas also witnessed development it's only hyderabad especially telangana outside hyderabad i mean the hyderabad state just fyi for those of you who are not aware under the last nizam had 16 districts of which eight were in telangana five were in the maharashtra area and three were in karnataka and hyderabad was like this crown jewel where everything was great and amazing but outside hyderabad the situation was very bad the state essentially relied on agriculture from which the last nizam mainly got the state's revenues forced collections levies through quote and quote jagirdars jagirdars were basically state appointed revenue collectors that's a whole different uh, story altogether you can go through season 1 of beyond charminar to learn more about that now coming back to this this time also if you look at the floods that have happened sirish and i both have also been reporting on the ground the most affected places as one, as one sirish pointed out was usmannagar and the other is nadim colony 
Now, for those of you who don't know, Nadim Colony is literally built inside the lake bed of the Shah Hatim Talab or the Shah Hatim Lake, which is literally adjacent this uh, place called Nayakila inside the Golconda Fort area. See, the Golconda Fort that we see is only the main inner, the fort that tourists go to is only the main or the inner, pa- inner palace part. But the actual fort is seven and a half, roughly 6.5 to 7 kilometers in circumference. And unfortunately, people have built houses inside the fort area because of which we don't realize that the fort area is that big. But the Nayakila is an extension of the fort. Uh, it's about one, one and a half kilometers from the main entrance of the fort. Like it, it is, it used to be part of the fort. I mean, now you'll actually have to look at an old map to realize how Nayakila was built, etc. But it's a whole different ball game altogether and story. I will hopefully go over the Nayakila and the golf course and the illegal, okay, unauthorized, I don't know what to call it, or, or the golf course one day. Uh, but coming back to the Shah Hatim, so Shah Hatim Talab essentially is literally just behind the Nayakila area and I think on paper the Shah Hatim Talab is about 87 acres or 90 acres nearly and now it is about what 20, 12 acres. So uh, Nadim colony is built in that and I mean the point here is that if you look at wherever the areas have been flooded, even Balapur, the Balapur lake basically was overflowing, literally what happened in 1900, the local lakes breached and they overflowed and people were that's that that is why they were affected i mean at that point of time imagine they were actually there was there was no fail safe but now in spite of having fail safes people built houses in the lake beds because of which they i mean obviously you water will come wherever it has to come you can't build a house inside a lake bed and expect not to get flooded Nadim colony i think sirish will know much better because he in fact lives nearby and he knows golconda's topography like very well also i think a lot of the water that runs from banjara hills and jubilee side also comes comes downstream right towards those areas so you know hyderabad is actually not a plain surface it's actually quite like one area is hilly and the other rest of it like sirish said you know it's little low golconda fort is on a very high 540 meters above sea level so you know i'll let sirish speak now He's been also reporting on Golconda. He'll be able to tell you maybe with an example as to what exactly has been happening. Uh, one of the reasons why this flood has been so bad is because Hyderabad has, even after repeated uh, reports about separating the storm water from the drain water, Hyderabad has not been able to do so. So the storm water and the drainage are two different things. If you let the drain, drainage water go let it be processed and released into the river, it will be fine. And you have to process the storm water in a different way. You collect the storm water and let it run directly to the river. Right? So, but in, in Hyderabad, what it has done is, it has taken a cheaper option. It has used the drainage system for draining the storm water also. So, when the heavy amount of rain that we get, that this drainage system is not able to cater to that. It cannot meet the requirement. That is why even upscale areas like Banjara Hills, Jubilee Hills, which are on a higher ground, they also have been flooded because we don't have a storm water drain system. And we have conveniently ignored, we keep dumping plastic, plastic, plastic everywhere. So uh, among the, one of the things that I noticed during this flood is I was driving Besides the Musi River on the northern bank, the river has thrown back tons of trash. The trash includes sanitary pads, bed sheets, beds, carpets, dining tables, chairs, anything that people don't want, cars. 
Even cars have been swept away, trees have been swept away, electric wires have been swept away, even uh, tires which have been disused have been thrown into the river and their river has thrown it back into the city. So this, has be, this is because we have failed to treat our waste. This is because we don't have a separation of storm water and rain water. And this is because the city is not investing in itself. And the citizens have to ask for that. Citizens don't, are not asking for it. The government needs to invest in not just roads, it has to understand water infrastructure. Water infrastructure is a separate branch which will require high amounts of expertise and high amounts of knowledge about understanding how water flows. And uh, Hyderabad is built on Deccan Plateau, which is absolutely different thing from say a coastal city like Bombay or Chennai or Calcutta or even New York or Hong Kong or any other city. It's a very unique city because it is built on rocky surface. We don't have great amount of seepage of rainwater. The rainwater doesn't seep into the ground easily. It, it really runs through, runs above the ground. And that is why it has got such a destructive history in Hyderabad. The other reason is the lakes are not what are man-made lakes. Hussein Sagar Lake is a man-made lake, but the rest of the lakes are natural lakes. Natural lakes which have formed over millennia due to rainwater runoff, which cleans the pathway, which creates basins where the water can be stored and then drains away. So once you fill, uh, fill up the river, uh, the lake basin and build a house, once the rain comes, the rain water will know that there is a basin. It will try to uproot the houses and that is what it has done. Like for example, people are talking about Jalpali Lake. This is not one lake, there are multiple lakes. Jalpali Lake, Pallecharu, Madikunta, Yarrakunta, uh, Shakur Nagar, all these lakes are interconnected. So this lake connection has been broken by the developments of Vambe colony. Uh, which is like um, the poor housing done by the government. Multi-storied buildings, they have been built virtually on the lake bed. And out of around it also there are some more houses which have come up. And let us not discount the fact that a lot of political patronage plays a big role in encroachments over riverbanks. And many of the people who are built, who are living on the lake, lake bed and whose houses have been flooded are tenants. So my big fear is they get the relief money because the tenants have lost the property. I'm afraid that they will not get the money and uh, that money will go to the house owner who may not have lost anything and uh, who might be owning multiple houses. So he'll get a lot more money than he actually requires. In fact, the other important thing that also happened this time is that heritage structures in Hyderabad were destroyed. In, but in three places and also it has happened because of uh, I guess of encroachments and also of government apathy both just to make it clear these particular rains have given the government a very easy out of you know demolishing old structures instead of actually restoring them okay so just now to give some background I had explained about Golconda Fort so Golconda Fort uh, became a the Golconda Kingdom's capital in 1518. It was that is the foundation foundational year. It was a walled city from 1580 up to 1591 until Hyderabad was founded of the Golconda or the Qutub Shahi Empire. 
within the golconda fort see uh, it's not that after hyderabad was founded that the kings only lived in hyderabad essentially in after hyderabad was attacked by the mughals with or when aurangzeb was the governor of the deccan in 1656 for the first time that is when the then king abdullah qutub shah essentially came back to the golconda fort for safety purposes that is when naya kila was basically built as an extension of the golconda fort for to avoid further mughal attacks now the naya kila also actually houses some other older see uh, there's a mustafa khan masjid for example mustafa khan was a commander or general under the third king ibrahim qutub shah and his he is built a mosque there there is the mulla khali mosque there is a baobab tree there for over 400 years old so these thing and what happened this time was that there are two bastions called laila and majnu so i think the majnu bastion basically collapsed on one side now if you know of the golf, hyderabad golf association according to the archaeological survey of india's rules nothing can be built in about 100 or 200 meters of any heritage historical monument so it is beyond anybody's understanding and the, the matter is still in court by the way it is beyond anybody's understanding as to how land was given by the asi to a private organization to turn a historical area into a golf course now for those of you who want to read more details just type sirish nani shetty and his name and google search in the hindu you will get all the articles but essentially the golf course had blocked entry into nayakila for a very long time and only some year, a couple of years ago a part of the wall in nayakila was broken to to create a gate to allow people to enter from the back side you will have to really maybe visit the area to understand parts of the fort in nayakila have become golf holes even literally you would be walking in a bastion somebody some idiot will be playing golf below so what i'm saying is essentially that area also if you look at it the golf course so the golf association maintains it has not touched it structurally but when you're thinking build a golf course you are structurally changing the the, the historical site anyway it looks green yes but that does not mean that they have the right to change it in any way uh, so the majnu bastion collapsed i think about two about two weeks ago and uh, sirish did you go there maybe he'll be able to tell you what happened there so uh, hyderabad is actually a medieval city part of its uh, architecture is finished in limestone mortar so during this rainfall which lasted for nearly a fortnight heavy rainfall uh, hyderabad suffered a lot of damage to its historical structures one of them is the majnu burj the other structures which have been damaged are there are four places in golconda fort itself which have been damaged the main king's way which the king used to climb up to the top of the golconda fort has been damaged uh then there is a wall near the jagdamba temple which was also damaged the rear portion rear wall of the golconda fort also has been damaged in multiple places then uh, there is one more uh, section near the second well of the golconda fort there was a damage and outside the golconda fort qutub uh, shahi ra masjid lost one of its shorter minarets in the shali banda area the bela kaman has been torn down by the gcmc after the locals complained that it had become unstable bela kaman is just an archway to the entrance 
Belakaman is that area where we make khoa. It's a area yes. yeah, where they used to, where there are a lot of old khoa making places. So Belakaman has been damaged. And right now, I don't think we know the full extent of the damage to the heritage and historical structures. But let me put it this way. We suffered a lot of damage, but I went to the Kutubshai tombs. The Kutubshai tombs were as wet as a buffalo's backside. They were absolutely dry. Only the wells were filled with water. That is because of the drainage of the Kutubshai tombs area has been taken care of. The Kutubshai rulers really understood the power of water and they harnessed it perfectly. Whereas we have lost the understanding about the water and that is why we are suffering uh, whatever loss and damage we are seeing. How people are still, now there are hundreds of people in Hyderabad right now who don't have electricity, who don't have drinking water, who don't have access to toilets, who don't have dry clothes. There are people wearing the same clothes for the last 10 days. They don't have access to dry clothes. Their clothes have been damaged. They don't have access to food. Access to food in the sense, uh, hot food, the uh, gas stoves and all, everything has been damaged. Utensils have been destroyed. So no amount of cleaning would help them to get back to the same life. All their electronic devices have been destroyed. And strangely, most of the people who escaped from their flooded homes, they carried only their cell phones. Dukshai tombs are in fact currently being restored by the Aga Khan Trust for Culture and they had to actually, uh, the, the, all the wells there are full, like literally full to the point that they had to stop the water from going into the wells because it would have started overflowing. But just to, just to give an example, the, the Aga Khan Trust for Culture also restored the water channels and they are actually relying on water in the step wells inside the tombs. They are not actually relying on water from outside. The Kutubshai tombs has been almost, I think it's, it's been uh, restored so well that in spite of such heavy rains, not a single stone has actually fallen from anywhere. It maybe it's time the Archaeological Survey of India reconsider how it works. But I'm glad that nothing of the Charminar fell down, so far at least. Yeah, well, of course, if you don't know that the southwest command of the Charminar has been historically falling off at, at, at different intervals. I think a part of it also fell down uh, last year, I think like a small chunk of the lime mortar, lime plaster. But yeah, so this is it. This is the uh, system of our heritage. I hope this was uh, helpful for you to understand what actually happened. See, uh, many of the lakes in Hyderabad inside the city have become memories. Like Nawab Sahib Kunta is called uh, Nawab Sahib Kunta. But the area is a densely populated area. But the name gives away the fact that it used to be a lake. The Nawab Sahib Kunta area is Talab Kattakot. Okay. Then Afzal Sagar is now Malakpet. Then, uh, for example, Masab tank, if you see the Masab tank lake, the lake water has not risen by even an inch. The lake water of Jalgam Bengal Raw Park has not risen by an inch. The lake water of the lake in near the Taj Banjara has not risen by an inch. This is because these lakes have been cut off from the main water channels. So the lakes have actually become ponds. And so what happens to the lake water that used to go to the Banjara, this thing? It floods downstream, it rushes downstream and floods the area on the Rajbhavan road where the governor is inconvenienced and other people are inconvenienced in that area. Makta is inconvenienced. That is because the water from the KBR ridge 
which should run down through the area which is which would be called singada cheru singada cheru would mean uh, water chestnuts now singada cheru is a densely populated area and the water that uh, would have flown through a channel there is blocked so all this water that that gets blocked in multiple places accumulated in a place where it is convenient and it raced through and destroyed everything in its way so we should not blame the lake we should blame the people and right now we should tweak our property in such a way that lake anybody building anything on lake should not get a high court ka stay or court should not intervene and the government should be free to demolish them even if there is political patronage only if we do something like that we are going to solve this problem otherwise we are and our climate is changing floods have never been so frequent in this sequence of floods in 2000 we had a flood in 2008 we had a flood in 2012 we had a flood and this is one more big flood thank you all for listening to this episode of beyond charminar you can listen to this episode on www.snowindia.in that is s u n o i n d i a.in or any other podcasting app of your choice such as apple podcasts google podcasts jio saavn or any other podcast app of your choice as well thank you all for tuning in we will have a lot of exciting interviews this season for sure as well so stay tuned Thank you.